The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The March 22nd edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of March 22nd, 2023. From a rural commune to Broadway, story of Noah Racy comes to OC stage. WSF says Sydney Ferry run unlikely to return until 2030. San Juan County Parks staff equipped to respond to overdoses. Plus, choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. First, from the Islands Sounder, from a rural commune to Broadway, story of Noah Racy comes to OC stage by Colleen Smith-Summers. It's a theatrical experience that is decades in the making. Noah Racy, Broadway performer, singer, dancer, writer, and educator, is bringing Mountain Grove to the Orcas Center main stage. It's a show that tells the story of his childhood through spoken word, tap dancing, and music. It's the hardest work I've ever done, because it's me and my experience, Racy said. To perform an evening in front of an audience and telling your story are two entirely different things. I've learned so much about writing for theater and writing for a playable moment. You can't tell the audience how to feel. The performances, which run 90 minutes, are on March 31st and April 1st at 7 p.m. and April 2nd at 2 p.m. Tickets range from $15 to $59 and are available at www.orcuscenter.org. Racy is joined by director Dick Scanlon, pianist Ross Patterson, and percussionist Jason Udoff in Mountain Grove. For the Orcus production... Orca Center Artistic Director Jake Perrine will be creating sound and lights. Racy and Scanlon first met while participating in the Broadway production of Thoroughly Modern Millie and became friends and collaborators. For me, it began with just writing. I love words, and I love to write. I came to Dick a few times with a few different ideas for shows. He's always been so warm-hearted and welcoming, Racy said. I finally came to him with one piece, and he said, You know, you always come to me with these ideas, but we end up talking about your life. Tell me more about that. So I told him about growing up on a hippie commune. That's how I started writing in earnest about that path. Racy and his sisters, who spent part of their youth on Orcas Island, moved with their parents in the early 1970s and lived for four years in a hippie commune. Mountain Grove is told from his perspective as a child navigating between extreme freedom and the desire for safety. I was very struck with how specific and unusual his story is, and also how universal, Scanlon said. The show is very funny, and it has dark moments. The two began working on the production in 2017 in New York and performed it there in 2018. Three years later, they picked it up again, collaborating with Patterson and Yudoff to create a contemporary jazz score. Noah moves so beautifully, we knew there'd be music, 
Scanlon said. In addition to storytelling, Noah is a very acclaimed and wildly gifted tap dancer. He uses rhythm to help the story the way a drummer might. It's not a guy sitting in a chair telling you a story. It's very theatrical. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, WSF says Sydney Ferry Run unlikely to return until 2030. By Kelly Balcom Bartok. The Anacortes Sydney BC Ferry Run is unlikely to return to service until 2030, according to Washington State Ferries. In the February 28th Service Restoration Plan Progress Report, WSF came out publicly for the first time acknowledging WSF does not anticipate being able to restore service on the Anacortes Sydney BC route any sooner than spring 2030. It is due to the lack of an available vessel and crew. The news of the continued suspension of the international run with stops in Friday Harbor was met with dismay and concern throughout the region, but especially by hard-hit communities such as Sydney, Anacortes, and Friday Harbor. Alternatives for providing ferry service to Canada from the islands are being discussed and considered by a number of private companies, both locally and regionally, but nothing has been formalized yet. Sterling acknowledged to the journal that now might be a good time for private enterprises to look at alternative transboundary options outside the existing ferry service. Ian Sterling, director of communications for WSF, admits to continued chronic struggles with getting the Anacortes San Juan Islands ferry service back into reliable and consistent service. The progress report states the ferry service is incrementally adding service to meet increasing demand as the ferry system recovers from the COVID-19 pandemic and responds to ongoing crew and vessel availability challenges. The report further states a return to full capacity of the system is dependent on several variables, including the trajectory of the pandemic and ongoing impacts of COVID-19 on the workforce, ridership levels and accommodating the seasonal increase in summer peak season ridership, the ability of WSF to recruit, hire, and train new employees to fill key positions, the rate of retirements and other separations that contribute to overall staff levels, and lack of vessels due to unanticipated breakdowns and an aging fleet. Because these variables are continuously shifting as the pandemic evolves, the WSF report states, it is exceedingly difficult to pinpoint an exact date when ferry service will return to normal. WSF is currently operating on an alternate service plan, a reduced level of service that is sustainable and provides predictability while WSF works to replenish and realign its resources. As crew and vessel resources become available over time, WSF plans to restore ferry service on a route-by-route -route basis in four stages. The Anacortes San Juan Islands runs are at the top of the list for route prioritization, according to WSF, but riders of the route wouldn't know it based on the chronic cancellations and delays the island runs have been experiencing, especially recently and for quite some time now. 
The ferry service is the first to admit that the San Juan Islands runs are not reliable. The restoration report states that while WSF is funded to provide pre-pandemic levels of service, in every other respect, the ferry system has shrunk. A statement in the report adds, WSF had 24 vessels five years ago, but due to vessel retirements, there are now only 21 active vessels in the fleet, an insufficient number for reliable service even without the pandemic. Although the plan includes the statement that another vessel, the Tilikum, is due to be retired in 2023, WSF staff say the current governor's budget working its way through the legislative process includes funding the aging Tilikum through 2027. WSF also writes that it takes multiple years to build new vessels, and WSF will not be able to add to the fleet quickly enough to address the loss of vessels due to recent and planned retirements. During a Ferry Advisory Committee meeting held March 10th, John Vezina, WSF's chief revenue officer, stated that we have gone from 25 boats in 2016 to 21. We need 19 in the summer to operate everything, including the Sydney route. As we look at the age of our vessels and the fact that by now, based on the long-range plan, we should be in construction and getting ready to replace the three oldest ones, including the Tilikum on the inter-island route, we now don't expect the first new vessel until 2027. And with the age of these boats and needing 19, we are doubtful there will be a time when we actually have 21 boats available. Vizina then added, When we get the first of those boats back in 2027, we'll have to retire the Tilikum, Yakima, and Kalitan. The legislature has us retire boats as we get a new one, so we don't get ahead until about 2030. Having said that, we are completely funded to operate Sydney service. There is no way we can cancel it, only the legislature can, and there is no interest on their part in canceling it so they have asked us to look at options like leasing a boat. In the past, we've looked at options for leasing domestically, and we haven't been able to find one, but we're going to take another look at that. While we won't have the vessel capacity to return until 2030, there is no lack of desire to be flexible and creative and figure out ways that we can continue to get people up there. From San Juan County, SJC Parks staff equipped to respond to overdoses. Staff at San Juan County Parks are now better equipped to respond to opioid overdoses thanks to a partnership with the Health and Community Services Department, HCS. Parks staff now have access to naloxone, better known as Narcan nasal spray, which is used to treat overdoses. When we heard about this opportunity to serve in a new capacity, we wanted to jump on it, said San Juan County's Parks and Fair Director Brandon Cadwell. It's a function we hope to never need to use but want to be prepared. This project is funded by the National Opioid Settlement Fund, which was established to help save lives and mitigate lifelong harm from opioid misuse. The nasal spray is an opioid antagonist to be used for the emergency treatment of a known or suspected opioid overdose. 
Training for parks staff is scheduled for the upcoming visitor season and will educate employees on the safe and effective administration of the drug. Organizations that add this life-saving tool to their resources are making our community safer every day, said Richard Urey, HCS Behavioral Health Specialist. Thank you, Parks and Fair. The entire San Juan County Parks and Fairgrounds system is experiencing growing visitation rates from locals and visitors alike. With folks from local island communities and around the world, a wide array of tools to serve the public in moments of crisis is imperative. The Narcan will be kept with the AEDs, Automated External Defibrillators, and in the park vehicles at the following locations on San Juan Island, San Juan County Fairgrounds, San Juan County Park, on Lopez Island, Odlin County Park, on Shaw Island, Shaw County Park. Data for 2021 indicates there were over 80,000 deaths nationally from opioid overdoses. Ready access to Narcan in San Juan County Parks will help staff be better prepared should they encounter someone experiencing an overdose. In the ongoing effort to keep residents and visitors to San Juan County safe, Dr. Frank James, health officer for San Juan County, notes that overdose survivors still need to see a health care provider immediately. We're proud to be better equipped to meet the emergency needs of anyone until further help can arrive, said Cadwell. A special thank you to Josh Matlock, the pharmacist at Friday Harbor Drug, for placing the order for the Narcan, Richard Urey for making the arrangements to fund the purchase, and to all the park staff who will have quick access to it should the need arise. And now, an opioid-free selection from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On March 8th, a Lopez deputy responded to a report of a public park bench that was moved approximately 300 feet. A park volunteer moved it back to its original place. The bench was undamaged. On March 9th, a San Juan deputy took a report of a hit-and-run collision. A driver left the road, struck a mailbox, and fled the area without leaving their contact information at the scene. Deputies learned of video surveillance footage of the area and are working to identify the suspect. On Orcas, a deputy responded to a report of a possible drunk driver that had struck another vehicle and fled the scene. Further investigation revealed probable cause to believe the driver had committed crimes of reckless driving and hit-and-run on an unattended vehicle. The driver was cited. On March 11th, an Orcas deputy observed a truck towing a travel trailer abandoned on the side of Orcas Road. The owner has done this in the past and has also left it on private property without permission. This is an ongoing issue that is being addressed. A Lopez deputy responded to a local music venue during a rock concert following a 911 hang-up call. The deputy found no emergency, as it was likely a pocket dial from someone rocking out too hard. I didn't make that up, it actually says that. On March 12th, a complaint of odors coming through the walls from a neighboring office in Friday Harbor was referred to the town of Friday Harbor for possible civil action. Deputies responded to a welfare check in Friday Harbor. 
an individual went for a walk and their phone was turned off. It was believed they might be at a hotel in Friday Harbor. Deputies were unable to locate the individual that evening and would continue efforts in the morning. On March 13th, a deputy on San Juan Island responded to an anonymous individual's report of people sleeping in their broken-down vehicle in a parking lot. The deputy arrived on the scene and helped the couple push their vehicle to street parking out of the parking lot to wait for a tow. And this concludes the March 22, 2023 edition of The Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this spring with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for listening, and come back again next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.